1. We're going to read the first three verses and then jump down to verse 15. Read verse 15 and 16, Psalm chapter 91. Psalm chapter 91, verse number 3, or sorry, verse number 1 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in whom in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Jumping down to verse 15. <clears throat> and he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Psalm 91, the first portion of this passage, psalmist is saying, hey, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. I'm going to trust in him. And in verse number 15, God said this, because you trust in me, he said, he shall call upon me. He shall call upon me, and I will answer. He shall call upon me, and I will answer. Today we're going to talk from this subject just for a little while, calling upon the Lord, calling upon the Lord. Let's ask the Lord to speak to our hearts this morning and let's ask him to help us today to glean from his word this morning. Lord, we love you, God. I thank you for the touch of heaven we feel in this house. God, I thank you for the privilege we have to be in your presence this morning. My God, I'm asking you, Lord, that you would anoint these lips of clay, that I could say only what you won't said this morning. God, I'm asking that you would anoint our ears and our hearts to hear what you have to say, Lord, and our hearts to be receptive to your word today. God, let us leave this place changed and challenged in Jesus' name. We thank you for your grace and mercy in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. As I start this morning, <coughs> I want to remind you what Isaiah said in Isaiah 59 and 1, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. Amen. God's arm has never been shortened that he can't reach us where we're at today. Nor has his ear become deaf that he cannot hear us when we pray. Amen. That's a promise in the word of God that God will hear us. Abraham was asked a simple question. Is anything too hard for God? 
Genesis 18 and 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return unto thee. The, the Lord said to Abraham, and according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Many of us already know that that did come to pass. Nothing's too hard for the Lord. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. But Jeremiah, later on in the, in the, in the word of God, he, he came back and he answered the question that was asked of Abraham. And that was, he said, Ah, oh, Lord God, in Jeremiah 32 and 17, Behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out thine arm. And there is nothing, everybody say there's nothing, too hard for thee. Amen. I, I hope but before I finish this morning that you have a reassurance that truly there is nothing that is too hard for God. There is nothing that you can take before the Lord that he cannot answer. There is nothing that I can present unto God that he cannot provide or he cannot intervene or he cannot change. Amen. My God can do anything. Amen. There's an old song that just simply says, My God can do anything. My God can do anything. Why? Because He's got the power. He's got the power. He's got the power. He's got the power. My God can do anything. Oh, yes. My God can do anything. That's what God that I serve this morning, He is everything. My God can do anything that I put before him. Hallelujah. There is one simple thing, amen, that many of us forget. It's very simple. Very simple. Is we don't ask. We don't ask. I don't know how many more of these other scriptures have come up as I was sitting here this morning praying. God brought some other scripture to my mind, so we'll, we'll determine which direction I go with my notes or with the other anti-notes that I have. But I want you to think about this with me for a second. God can do anything, right? God is able to do anything. Can God heal cancer? Can God heal leprosy? Can God heal? Can God heal? I'm trying to think. Can God heal COVID? What? He can heal anything. Can God heal? Broken bones? Can God heal death? <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been there when people were brought back from the dead. Before anybody showed up and started to work on them medically, they were dead. And we just simply spoke in Jesus' name, and she rose up. That morning, there was, you've heard me talk about this probably if you've been here any amount of time, but there was a lady there that day that she was a registered nurse, and she looked at my pastor, and she said, 
I see death every single day of my life. She said, but when I, when I was down there with her, she was dead. You walked in and said, Jesus, and she came to life. God can do it. Most of us say, well, death is the last straw. Well, yeah, but my God can do anything. And the amount of uh, effect that that woman had on the rest of her family for the, the remainder of years that God gave her, I think it was eight or so years more. I don't know, five or eight years. I can't remember. Anyway, but she got some extra time on this earth to spend with her family. And many of her kids got to come in and experience the power of the Holy Ghost and, and experience what God could do in their own lives. But I want you to understand today, God can still do those things. Do we still believe what Philippians tells us? That God is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Is he? Is he the same God that spoke to Abraham and Sarah when she was in her old age and her womb was closed up and he was an old man? Can God still provide children to those that it seems helpless? There's Hannah's out there today that God can still provide children for. God is able. There are Rachel's out there that still want children. God can do it. Can God heal those that are in that are crippled in wheelchairs? In fact, there was a youth conference just recently that, that a young lady was videoed coming out of her wheelchair. She who had I forget what the sickness she had, but she was completely paralyzed and she was able to walk. Amen. For a few minutes they were helping her walk. And not too long after that, she was walking on her own. This past couple of weeks, there was, a young, there was a man who was baptized in Jesus' name. When he came out of the water, he had some kind of disease that was deteriorating all of his body, his organs, and, and his, his different functions. And, and this one was particularly uh, uh, attacking his eyesight, and he couldn't drive. Amen. They had told him he only had sight in one eye. His left eye was completely completely blind, and I watched his uh, testimony as his church had him sit down and testify of what God did for him, and he told of, of how, uh, I watched it last night, and he said, as I came out of the water, and they had the video of him coming out of the water right beside him, and as he's talking, he said, as soon as I came out of the water, he said, I could see bright lights, and he said, I hated light, because for all of his life, light just made his sight much worse. It blurred everything. He said, and all of a sudden, I began to look. He said, and I could see each individual light pointing at the stage. He said, I can make them out individually. He said, I've never been able to do that. It's always been one massive blur. He said, and then I looked down, and he said, I could see the people of the congregation. He said, and I can make out faces. He said, I've never been able to make out faces. Not from that far away. He said, I was on the platform. He said, and all of a sudden, I wanted, so he, he said, you, you see him turn around to the pastor. He said, okay. And he told him that his testimony, he said, I told the pastor, don't tell anybody yet. He said, I want to make sure this is not just me hallucinating. And uh, he said, I got to looking. 
He said, I looked in the back of the church. He said, there was flags from different nations all on poles all across the back of the church. He said, and they're just the, just the regular size flags that you'll see in like a courtroom or something like that. He said, we were in the front of the church on the platform in the baptistry area. He said, and I saw all the flags. He said, and all of those flags, I could make out what country they were. He said, I knew exactly how many flags were over there. Let me tell you something. God healed that man, and they're giving, they're giving glory to God for this. So can God heal the blind? Can God heal the deaf? Can God deliver a devil-possessed individual? Can God heal a headache? Now, I know I went extravagant first, but I, I want to I bring it down to where we're living today. Can God heal, I don't know, a sore throat? Can God heal an earache? How many of you, the last time you got a headache, did you ask God to heal it? Thank you. Let me ask the question again. How many of you went to the cupboard and got ibuprofen? Tylenol. How many of you just endured it? Right? That's me. But you know, I don't believe that it's the will of God that his people have to suffer. That's just me. And so I'll ask God. Yes, I do pray over my headaches. God, take this stupid thing away. I can't focus what, on what I'm supposed to be focusing on. You know what it's like. But today, in this age, we have developed such an atmosphere and, and, and a culture that says, you know what? When, when I have some kind of ailment, there's something that I can run to that will fix my ailment. And it's not prayer. It's something that we can feel and touch. We can even ingest it. And it does make us feel better. There's no doubt about that. But we have more faith in that little pill or whatever the thing is that you're doing to help you feel better. You have more faith in that than going to the Lord and saying, God, I need your help today. Can you heal me today? I'm not preaching against medicine. Please understand that. That is not where I'm going at all today. I'm not preaching against doctors. But when's the last time that that was the first thing we did was go to the Lord and say, God, here, I got a problem. Can you help me today? Somebody said, we don't see as many uh, miracles as we used to hear about the old timers talk about. And I, I, I'll submit to you, I don't hear about as many miracles in, in today's society as we did back in the day. Because when somebody has a tumor grow, what do they do? They go to the doctor because the government will pay the doctor to take the tumor away. Hmm. I got to be careful. I don't want to be too long. But I want you to consider this with me. Consider this with me. There was a blind man that Jesus healed in the scripture. And after Jesus healed that blind man, you know what the disciples did? They started talking about, hey, man, I wonder who sinned. Did that man sin that caused his blindness? Or did his parents sin? Or was there some other kind of sin that entered into the life 
of this family that caused this, because the man was born blind. Well, how can the man have sinned to cause his own blindness? You guys know what story I'm talking about. And Jesus went to his disciples and he said, why are y'all trying to do this? He said, some things just happen for one simple reason. So that God can receive glory. Sister Rini, I'm not pointing you out for any purpose or reason. I'll say grandma, all right? <laughs> grandma, let me tell you. How many times in our situation do we start asking, did I sin? Or what did I do wrong? Or do I have some kind of a devil that's trying to chase my family that, that doesn't like us or whatever? Let me tell you something. All of us have that. If you have the Holy Ghost, you have it. Because the devil doesn't want you to live for God. Think about it. So the first thing he's going to do is to get you to do anything contrary to living for God. So, I ask you, have you ever considered that maybe God is allowing this so that he can show you that he is truly the only saving one in your life. He's trying to build your faith. I submit to you today, and this is where I wanted to go. This is the scripture that came to me after, after I was here praying. So it's not there, so you're going to have to open your Bible and, and find it uh, if you want to follow along. But I want you to consider with me that the time that 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 the, the first time that we find in the scripture <clears throat> that Jesus is slipping, sleeping in the boat, they're going through a storm in the Sea of Galilee, and the disciples are all distraught, and they go wake him up and say, Lord, don't you even care that we're dying? And guess what he said? Where's your faith? I think in one passage it said, I think it was Luke, maybe, maybe it was Mark, I don't remember which one. But one of them, Jesus said, what happened? What? I just fed 5,000 people. I was just healing souls. And you can't have, what happened to your faith? Where, oh ye of little faith. What happened? You've been abiding with me all day, Jason. And here I've proven to you that I can do anything. Not the man Jesus Christ, but the almighty God that dwelt in him. God's like, look, what happened to your faith? Just because the physical man is down in the boat sleeping doesn't mean that God doesn't care about you. God cares. In fact, God cares about you so much that he knows how many hairs are on your head right now. And for me, he's constantly having to change that number. But he cares about me that much. And if he cares about me that much, what makes me think that God doesn't care about my situation? 
Consider this with me, and I'm going to try to wrap this up as quick as I can. In Luke chapter number 8, verse number 22, Luke chapter number 8, verse number 22. Luke chapter 8, verse 22. Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples and he said to them, let us go over to the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake. And they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose Rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water, and they obey him. There's two things I want to take away from this today, and I hope that it will help us this morning. And that is, first of all, Jesus didn't get up and take care of the storm until they went and got him and called on him. We're talking about calling upon the Lord this morning. Jesus could have easily stepped up and said, hey, peace be still, and everything would have stopped. Without them asking him one question, but God has continually kept himself in this box of your petitions. And if you need something from God, you have to ask God. <laughs> I, have, I was thinking this morning, I was like, you know what, how many different places in the scripture? And I began to think, and then I began to realize if I preached and taught from every passage of scripture that tells us and shows us where somebody in the scripture asked God and he answered, we'd be here all day. but I want you to consider with me this, this particular one because there they are. Jesus is sleeping. He's exhausted. He had been teaching all day. The man, Jesus, right? God doesn't get too tired to help us out. And he didn't get up and help the disciples until that passage says that they were in jeopardy, meaning their life was at stake at this point. The ship was going down. There was no more hope in their mind and in their hearts except for Jesus. And when they finally went and they said, Jesus, or they said, Master, Master, wake up. Don't you even care that we're dying right now? Don't you even care that we're about to fall and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna perish tonight? Jesus waited until they cried out for him. The first thing that you've got to do in your situation is you've got to call on the Lord. You've got to call on his name. Think about Bartimaeus. 
Bartimaeus was there on the outside of the city of Jericho. And Jesus is exiting the city of Jericho with, with a whole crowd of people. And he's preoccupied with this one and that one and, and this other one over here. And, and as they get closer and, and Bartimaeus begins to realize, hey, the, the, the Lord is drawing nigh to me. Guess what? I believe wholeheartedly that Jesus would have walked straight past Bartimaeus if Bartimaeus hadn't have called. Jesus! Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And people kept telling him, shut up, man. Come on, he's, he's really busy. Don't worry about it. Let me tell you, look, I, I know, I know that I have a busy schedule, folks. But I want you to understand, I'm never too busy for the things of God. Please don't hesitate to call me. I don't care how busy I am. If you call me twice in a row, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to have to shut down what I'm doing and I'm going to call you. I'm going to get a hold of you pretty quick. Just FYI. I don't care what it does to my work. God will take care of my work. God called me to this. I just want you to understand that. I know many of you call me. I know you're really busy. Don't worry about it. God called me to this first. God provided me a job to provide me with the sustenance in which we can survive from day to day. But God called me to this, and God will give me the grace to, to do what we need to do. So don't worry about me being busy, all right? That's all I can say. But the people were concerned about Jesus being busy. And Bartimaeus said, I don't care how busy he is. I need something from God today. And I know he's passing by my way. And I don't know if he's ever going to come back to Jericho again. And so I need to get a hold of God for myself today. And so he began to cry out the more, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And you know the rest of the story. He got Jesus' attention. Jesus said, hey, send him my way. And when he got up, he took off his beggar's coat. He threw it down on the ground because he knew when he encountered Jesus, he wasn't going to be the same man he was when he got up from the ground when Jesus called his name. But it all began because he called on the Lord. He lifted up his voice and said, Hey, I need something from you today, God. And something's got to rise up on the inside of you and in the inside of me. And we've got to be able to call on the Lord and say, God, I need something from you right now. And I know you're the only one that can give me the answer. And he will answer. Jesus said, if you call on the Father asking anything in my name, the Father will, it is his good pleasure to give it unto thee. Asking, believing in Jesus' name. <laughs> it's really very simple, but it's something that I, I fear that we don't use on a regular basis. And the second thing is, as I begin to study this morning about this particular time where Jesus calmed the waters, in Luke chapter 8, I've always read it from Mark chapter 5, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 4, the end of the chapter, but in Luke chapter 8, it says it in this passage, in, in, this, in, this, in this way, verse 24, and they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. 
Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. Now, in Mark, it just says, he said, peace, be still. But this verbiage that's used here in Luke connotes that it could have been a demonic attack upon that boat that day. That Jesus rebuked the wind. He rebuked it. These are terms of exorcism. You with me today? So I know I said earlier that, yeah, it could just be that God is waiting for you to call on him and he's allowing you to go through a circumstance that says, hey, I should be calling on the Lord, but I think there's other measures that I can use. But if you call on the Lord, God gets glory. And I can promise you all things that happen to the children of God work together for the good of those who call on the Lord. But even if it is an attack of hell, you know who, who we should call on? We should call on the Lord. Do you know who has more power than demonic forces? Jesus. Whatsoever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord. Calling on Jesus. I'm not ashamed to rebuke the devil. In Jesus' name. You know why? Because I know all power in heaven and earth belongs to him. And that is why when I call the name of Jesus, another pastor said every knee is going to bow one day and every tongue is going to confess that he is Lord. There's power in the name of Jesus. And, and let me tell you something. The devil wants us to stay in oppression. The devil wants us to worry. Hey, we're in jeopardy. We're about to lose our life. And I, I dealt with some of this on Wednesday night. I'm not going to get into all, the whole shebang of what I talked about Wednesday night, but I want you to understand something. I believe that the families in this church, right now, I know every church, I know every believer, I know every child of God right now is going through some form or fashion of attack from hell. But God has specifically spoken to us as a church that he wants to take us to a new place and that there has been an open door set before us. And the enemy does not like that. The Apostle Paul said, a great and effectual door is set before me and great are the adversaries. So in order for us to get through the door, Sister Wendy, we have to go through and defeat the adversary. But God said the door is great. I don't care how big the adversary, the door is greater. I've got to make it through the door. Because on the other side of that door, folks, is where the glory is going to fall. Look, we felt the glory of God in this place. I thank God for that. But just imagine how much greater the glory could be if we can make it through the door God promised us is open. 
The windows will be blown open. The glory is falling. The anointing of heaven is, is longing to abide in our lives on a regular basis. But we've got to be able to be willing to fight the battles we have come in front of us on this side of the door. I mentioned on, on Wednesday night, we have a situation. We, we have a situation where we have to defeat this adversary. Many of us, we've had a lot of sick folks. I believe that sickness can just happen. But I also believe, if you don't believe me, go read the book of Job. You'll find out that the enemy can impart sickness to our body. And so the last two weeks I have been rebuking sickness in our church. Why? Because I believe that the enemy is doing his best to come after us in any form or fashion that he can. He knows what's worked on you in the past, and so he's going to use that again on you today. And he knows that some of us get depressed when we are sick. He knows that some of us begin to wallow in self-pity, saying, why in the world am I dealing with this today? Why am I going through the sickness again, God, I, I don't, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, but God, I need your help. And that's the direction we need to be turning. Not, hey, I'm going back to the doctor today. I'm going to ask them to do some more tests on me. You know what? Maybe the reason the doctor hadn't found the problem is because it's not a physical problem. Maybe it's a spiritual problem. Maybe it's not sickness that we're dealing with. Let me tell you, something that eats at me and bothers me is stress. I don't like to I don't like the unknown. And when the unknown is flying at me left and right and I have no idea where this jet's going to land or whether we're going to make it safely and put these things down on the ground. I don't know from point A to point B. Look, I'm I'm that guy that's I'm God I I'm a little stressed out. And I start losing sleep. I start worrying about things. I get grumpy. I get upset. Guess what? The last two weeks, God begins showing me, hey, it's not because of your circumstances. It's because the enemy's trying to distract you from what God wants to do in the church. And when I begin to realize, every time that it begins to flow, every time it begins to flow, Say, all right, God, I'm not playing this game. Lord, I need your peace right now. Lord, I need your strength right now. Lord, and whoever else this devil is trying to come against right now, I bind it in Jesus' name. I'm praying for you, church. I'm praying for you. But the only way that we're going to make it through the door is we're going to make it through the door together, folks. I need you and you need me. And we need to stand together and we've got to realize, hey, yes, Sister Rini, I do understand that there are devils out there and they don't like us and they're coming against us. But we're here to hold your hand. There's no sense, Sister Cecilia, in us being by ourselves. There's no sense in us fighting the battle on our own. 
Sister Renee, I've got you. Sister Winnie, we're together. If you need anything, call me. I'll stop what I'm doing. We'll go to the Lord in prayer right here and right now. Amen. If you need strength, amen, when it comes time to come to church, guess what the devil's going to do? Oh, man, I'm, I feel so nasty right now. I, I need the help of God right now. You know what you need to do? is say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Get up out of that state where you're at. Let me tell you something. Two things I've been learning. I've been learning. Thank God I've been learning. But two things that, that I begin to realize is it, it has to, a true rebuke involves two things. Faith involves two things, folks. And I'm, I'm done, Sister Reagan. You want to get ready to come. Faith involves two things. James said, Show me your faith without your works. Come on. I want to see your faith. How can you prove to me you believe? But James said, no. He said, I'll show you my faith by my works. <laughs> Go back to Bartimaeus. Think about what Bartimaeus did. No. Bartimaeus didn't get up from that seat. He, he didn't just leave that old beggar's cloak on him and say, man, uh, you know, if, if God don't heal me, I, I got to go back to what I used to know. No, no. Bartimaeus, when he heard the Lord say, bring him over here, he said, ah, I'm taking this joker off. I don't need it. Somebody else can have that thing. I don't need that anymore. That's, that's what I used to be. I don't have to be this way anymore. I'm not a beggar. After the Lord touches my life, I don't have to go back and put on my beggar's clothes. But now I am, I am in the kingdom of the Lord who is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the one who, who owns the cattle of a thousand hills. Amen. And he owns the hills and the gold that's under them hills. And let me tell you something. There is nothing that my God cannot do. My God can do anything. My God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ever ask or think according to the power that worketh on the inside of us. It's up to him, Sister Cecilia. It's up to God. Amen. He is able to do it. But my, my question to you, my friend, is, do you have enough faith to ask it? And then do you have enough faith to act upon it? Amen. I'm not, I'm not going to live in a defeated status anymore. I refuse to be beaten up every single day. I refuse to have oppression abide in my home anymore. Amen. I rebuke the spirit of depression in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because I know that God, amen, is a victorious God. Hallelujah. Praise God, can we stand today? Can we, can, can we begin to lift our voices unto the Lord? Can you lift your voice in faith? Can you let God know, hey, I know that you can do anything. Here I am. I'm asking you, God, here's my situation. I'm asking you to step in, Lord, and take it and change it forever. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's talk to the Lord. 